Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. So tonight we are, we're on week two of this relationship series that we've been doing called Relationship Goals. And again, this is different than what we normally do. So if you're visiting with us, we don't do this uh, normally, which I just repeated myself twice. Um, but we just felt like it was important to do a series of this season that we're in. And so every week over the course of the four weeks, we're focusing on a different phase of relationship. So last week, we, we really looked at singleness and dating. This week, we're going to talk through some things about being somewhat newly married and uh, starting families. And, uh, and then over the next two weeks, we're focusing on two different things. We're interviewing couples uh, from our church. And uh, the goal is that any week that you attend, no matter the phase you find yourself in, you'll be able to take things from it. And so if you've been married for 30 years, there should be things throughout these weeks that you can take note of. If you're not even in a relationship yet, there should be things that you can make mental notes of to say, I, I need to, to listen to that. I need to heed that wisdom. I need to keep keep that in mind. And so we just believe that, um, you know, marriage is such um, a godly thing. It w- it's an institution that God created, and we need to do everything that we can do to, to build healthy marriages and to protect that. And so we're just excited about the series. And tonight we're doing something I have never done before. Sunday. We did it Sunday, too. But uh, we had never done this before. But I'm going to have my gorgeous wife come out and join me on the stage. And, uh, you know, I said to her uh, for this week, I said, hey, what do you think about us just having a conversation in front of everybody? She was like, what? I'm like, no, 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 I see it. I think it'll be cool. She's like, I don't think it'll be cool. I'm like, trust me, trust me, I think it'll be good. Uh, but she did awesome, and I know you guys are going to uh, get a lot out of it. But we just wanted to kind of open up and, and talk about our journey, talk about our marriage. And uh, we are two weeks away um, from celebrating 11 years of marriage and um, some of you guys are looking at her and you're like, how old was she when you got married? She was 13. Um, but, um, you know, some of the things that, that we worked through early on may have had more to do with the fact that we got married at 20 years old and uh, we were young and dumb. And, uh, and I recognize that. Uh, and then other things I think that every, no matter the age, every couple you need to work through. And uh, so when we kind of sat down to have this conversation, my goal was I was like, hey, what would I feel awkward asking another couple? Let's talk about that. And so, um, you know, we, we, uh, we have worked really hard to have a healthy marriage. And we have to continually work to protect a healthy marriage. And I think it's important to understand that a healthy marriage does not just happen naturally. It doesn't matter how cool you think you are and how cool you think the spouse is. It doesn't just happen that you're going to have a, an awesome, healthy marriage. It takes work. And, uh, you know, it's so funny because you can think that you love your spouse or, or your fiancé more than anybody. More than you could. There's no way you could love him anymore. And then you get married, and two weeks in, you're like, what did I do? Like, did I make a mistake? I don't know. You know, there's just – it's a different thing. When you start living with the person and, and then you start those vows that you said that you, you, you got to mean it. You got to mean it and you got to put some work in. But it is the best thing ever. It is the best thing ever. And so we want to talk about just a few areas because we don't have a ton of time tonight. But we want to just look at a few areas that we know have made a difference in our marriage being healthy. These are areas that we have to continually work on. Uh, things that we'll, we'll share with you. 
that, that we've been through, but things that we know have made a huge difference uh, in our life. And so the first thing that we wanted to, to touch on, one of the keys to having a healthy marriage is to pursue and to protect healthy communication. Healthy communication is everything. And, and this may sound like, duh, that's, that's pretty uh, self-explanatory. But you have to take it to heart to say, I want to protect healthy communication in my marriage. This is the reality. If you grow comfortable lying in little things, it's a matter of time before you grow comfortable lying about big things. And I talk to a lot of couples, and you know, you'll hear things where someone's like, it's not that big, it's a little white lie. It's just easier if I leave, you know, if I don't, if I rephrase it that way, it doesn't hurt anything. It doesn't change anything. It'll just, you know, spare me a conversation. Well, the reality is, is when you, you grow comfortable lying in a little, you'll eventually grow comfortable lying in a lot. And the reality, too, is that if you become deceitful by the things that you don't say and the things that you leave out, it's a matter of time before you begin to be deceitful about the things that you do say. I know a lot of people that I didn't lie. No, you just misled them because you left out a vital part of information. It's the same thing. And so, um, you know, this, this, again, may sound so easy, but it's not. I, probably not a day goes by where maybe we're talking about something stupid, and I could be like, uh-huh, yeah, I could just yes her to death. And in my head, I got to be like, mm, but that's not really true. And so it's, it's a daily, daily thing where <laughs> actually we're going off script here for a second. Last night, Faith's eyes just got huge at me. Last night, last night, I was telling her about uh, something having to do with golf and another person. And, um, and she was saying, did you initiate it or did they initiate it? And I was like, I was like, they initiated it. And then the whole thing just spun out for a minute. And then we got to the bottom of it. But it was one of those moments where I got red and she thought that I was just, I was lying. And thank God I wasn't lying. But those are the... I, I showed her the text messages because, like, I could tell, and I couldn't stop laughing. It was just, you know. But thank God because there was a moment where I could have and I would have got caught. Um, but it's important to take it to heart to say, hey, we're going to do everything that we can do. And it's going to mean that sometimes you have to have awkward conversations. It's going to mean that sometimes it might be a longer conversation than it could have been if you just would have left something out. But it's worth it to fight to always protect honest communication. If you don't have honest communication, you don't have healthy communication. If you don't have honesty in a marriage, you don't have trust. And if you don't have trust, you don't have a marriage. And so it is so important to always, always pursue healthy and honest communication. Now, honest communication doesn't mean that you're always just not lying or leaving things out. Honest communication also means that you are willing to be honest with yourself and then honest with your spouse. Now, this is something that I definitely feel like it's, is uh, usually a, more of a struggle for a guy than a girl um, to, to really be honest with themselves about how they feel and what they're struggling with or, or what's going on inside of them and then be open and honest with the other person. And the reality is that, that what we learned is you can't hold the other person accountable for something that they don't know. And it's, it's really easy to be like, well, if you loved me, you should have seen that something was wrong. I mean, obviously, that's awesome. That's the dream. You'd hope that the spouse would be able to tell right away that something's not right. The reality is I can't tell a lot of times. There's a lot of times I have no idea that something's wrong. I'm just dumb, I guess. But the rea <laughs> if you can just not wait for the other person to ask, not wait for the other person to press you, but if you can just be like, I don't care what I look like. I care about us having healthy communication. I just want to tell you that that bothered me. 
I, I just want to tell you that I'm not okay. I just want to tell you that I'm discouraged. I just want to tell you that I'm feeling depressed or I'm feeling anxious. You need to be honest with the other person. What's, uh, you got any examples of when honesty really helped us out? Shocker, <laughs> right? I mean, she's honest, though, right? She, I mean, she's honest about it. And I remember um, really getting frustrated about it, but not really. I never stopped to, to try to figure out why it bothered me so much. And I think partly because I was probably embarrassed to tell my wife that something like that bothered me. Like, I, I think that there was a part of me, my pride, that I just wanted to be like, no, I'm, I knew that she wasn't being malicious about it, but there was something that rubbed me the wrong way. Um, but I, I felt, I think, ashamed and embarrassed to actually admit that it was bothering me. And it wasn't until I was willing to be, like, vulnerable with myself and with faith to be like, you know what, I do feel like it is dishonoring. And even then, I felt like I was making, maybe making a bigger deal than it was. But once we got to the root of it and then we started to see change, we realized that was it. That that absolutely was it. And we joke around all the time. We have a great, a great relationship. But that was something that I don't think we would have gotten to if we didn't sit down and have a really awkward, tough conversation for me um, and tough for you. But that honesty really changed everything. I can think of a, another example that actually, sadly, took a lot longer for us to figure out. Um, I'm a very driven person. I, I, if I want something, I go for it. I go after it. And uh, that serves me well in some areas, and, and that also hurts me in others. And um, I've always known that I, I wanted to, to be in ministry, that I felt like God called me to it. And so from the time that we were dating to being married, you know, I'm just, I have a one-track mind, and so I'm just pursuing what I feel like God has for us, and uh, when we um, had Aubrey, uh, it was obviously a lot on faith, and I remember Faith had made a comment, um, kind of in passing to me, uh, that she didn't feel supported by me, 
And it wasn't like she was trying to have a big conversation. But when she said that, I was like, there's no way I can just leave that. So I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, I just don't feel. And at first I felt annoyed because I'm like, that's a that's a crazy accusation to throw out there. Um, but we sat down and, and then faith got so like vulnerable and real and um, and just started saying how the first several years of our marriage, probably five years, I guess, if it was Aubrey, how there were t- a lot of times where she felt like I thought that my calling, my career, my direction was more important than hers. And that, especially once we had the baby, that, you know, in my mind, I'm like, you're, you know, you're a mom and the baby is home with you. And, you know, Faith would throw out, um, like, dreams that she had later on down the road. I was kind of interpreting as her saying, like, could I do that now? And I'm thinking, well, how would that work with the baby? And just not at all realizing that all of these comments that I was making or just this realistic, maybe sometimes cynical perspective that I had was speaking to her, your dreams don't matter. What, what you want to do doesn't matter because you're a mom right now and you just got to be a, a mom to these babies and you just got to, you know, we're doing the ministry, we're building the family, that's really all we can handle right now. And I had no idea that I was doing this and as she laid it out, all I could say was, I am so sorry. Like, once she laid it out for me, things that I had said, things that I didn't say, things that I didn't ask, um, I, it was so clear to me that I had painted that picture, and I felt terrible. I mean, that hurt me in the sense that I had been, you know, dragging her through that for so long. And, you know, I made a decision that day. I was like, I have to go above and beyond from here on out to always tell her that, like, what you desire, what God has placed in your heart is just as important as anything else, and we're going to pursue that together, and we'll make whatever tweaks we got to do with our family to allow that to happen, and, uh, but that was a big wake-up call for me, even, um, and I, I, honestly, I had no idea, and, and when she told me, that, that changed a lot, and that, we've noticed a huge difference the last five years of our marriage, um, having, having gone through that, and, and feeling like we're really uh, on the same page, and so it's so important to be honest with yourself and with the other person. Another thing um, that, that you really need to keep in mind with honest communication is that honest and, and uh, healthy communication, it really enables you to have open but responsible conflicts. Okay, if you're a married couple in here and you say you don't argue, you're a liar, okay? You're, you're a liar. Every couple argues, okay? If you think that you're going to go into marriage and you guys are never going to fight, you're delusional, okay? Every couple argues and fights, and, and this is the reality. Conflict, if it's handled the right way, isn't, isn't a bad thing. Conflict can lead to growth. It, it can be a catalyst for growth. But if it's handled in the wrong way, it can also be a catalyst for destruction. It can tear you apart. And you have to be responsible even in conflict, especially in conflict. Um, you know, we learned in, in premarital counseling, it's always stuck with us. And I'd be lying if I said that we were perfect at this, at this but it's something that we try to hold each other to. Um, about not being careful about the words that you don't use. Like, don't use words like always. Don't use words like never. Don't use words like you only. Don't paint things with a broad brush. Stick to the issue at hand, right? So if you have a conflict about something, don't start bringing up all this stuff from the past. Don't start throwing words like you always do this. You never have done that because what you're doing is you're just, you stick to the issue at hand. Talk out the issue at hand. Another thing is um, talk about, the issue and not about the person. So an example would be, instead of saying, um, you know, that was a selfish thing to do, or say that was a selfish thing to do, instead of saying you're just a selfish person. Okay, so 
there's a big difference. But the, the challenge is, is that in the heat of the moment, when you're upset, when you're angry, it's really tough to take control of your tongue. It's, it's really tough to keep your tongue accountable, but it's something that you have to do. It's only open and responsible conflict that will lead to growth. And we even realized early on, um, Faith's like uh, conflict style was like she would just allow things to simmer, like below the surface. You know, things. then when they would get awkward enough from ignoring it for too long, then, then it would come out. I'm the opposite. I'm like a firework. Like I'm like, bang, I like lose it. And then I'm like, all right, we're good though, right? Like we're now we're all right. And so um, we had to kind of meet in the middle. And I remember early on, I haven't done this in a while, but I remember, <laughs> I remember early on a few times I was like, I just have to walk away. I just, she was like, where are you going? We're in the middle of it. I'm like, I know, but I, I got to walk away for 10 minutes. Because I could feel myself getting to the point where I was like, I'm going to say something that's not true, that I shouldn't say, and it's going to cause all this other stuff. I just, I need to walk away for a second. I'd like walk away and collect myself and then come back. And the reality is this. Once you say something, you can't take it back. I mean, once it leaves your mind, you can apologize for it, but you can't take it back. Once that person hears those words, you can't take it back. And a lot of times it's things that you don't mean. It's things that if you're honest with yourself, you don't really mean. But, but words hurt. And so uh, healthy communication allows for healthy conflict, but it has to be done in an open and responsible way. But you're not going to get anywhere without healthy communication. Second thing that we want to talk about real quick is the importance of having a healthy sex life as a married couple. Um, to be completely honest with you, this is something I didn't want to talk about. I felt super uncomfortable. Faith insisted on it. And so I was like, listen, I chose the first thing. You choose the second thing. Um, in all seriousness, though, I get to talk to a lot of couples, and I get to talk to a lot of guys, and um, it's really sad how many people that their sex life as a married couple is not fulfilling. It's actually a source of disappointment, discouragement, unmet expectations, resentment even at times. And the reality is that sex is the most amazing thing that God created for a married couple. Think about this for a second. Think about how manipulated and twisted and perverted sex has become by the enemy. Think about all the temptation that's around everywhere that we go. Think about how it's been twisted in every way. You know, God knew that that was going to happen. Don't you think that if sex wasn't that big of a deal for a married couple, he just wouldn't have created it to begin with? But even knowing how much the enemy would twist it, even knowing how much the enemy would try to use it against us, it was that important, that integral for a marriage that God still created it and gave it as a gift for a man and woman. I think where a lot of people go wrong with their married sex life is things that they bring into a marriage before they're even married. Uh, things like expectation and goals. And so in speaking about expectations, I just want to be really blunt with you. If you're not married, maybe you are married and this is a, sor- a source of uh, a sore subject or a source of disappointment for you. Um, pornography is not real. Hollywood movies, primetime shows, that's not real. The one night stand with you that you had with somebody, that's not real. Anybody can perform for a night. That's not real. The sex life that God created you to have is something that lasts the course of your marriage, that, that lasts a lifetime. So many people, they come into a marriage with expectations based on things that they've seen or maybe experienced in fleeting moments and now place these expectations on their spouse. And not only is that not right, that's not fair. That's not fair because you're holding them to a standard that's not real. The second thing is goals. You, you got to come to the point where you, you ask yourself, is sex for me or is sex for them? And I believe that the godly answer is that sex is for them. I believe that healthy sex 
only comes when you have the mindset, I want to please my spouse. I want to meet my spouse's need. Now, if you, if you trace this back to things that we were talking about last week, and we were talking about the importance of staying sexually pure, that is really difficult, so difficult. That is such a hard thing to do. But if you can do it, and if you can pursue that, not that you're perfect, but it's something that you pursue. When you are pursuing sexual purity, what you are doing is you are honoring God and you are serving God. Therefore, the model that you're developing with your sexuality is that it's not self-serving, it's God-serving. That way, when you enter into a marriage, you're already used to the fact that your sexuality isn't to serve you, it's to serve someone else. When you begin to do what you want to do, and you don't follow the guidelines that God gives us, well, what your sexuality turns into is it's self-serving. I want to watch it. I want to do it. I want to engage in it, and so I'm going to do it. Well, then what happens is, is when you enter into a marriage, you're already in the model that sex serves you, not somebody else. And so a healthy sex life for a marriage has to be looked at it through the lens of, I'm here to serve you. And if the other spouse is saying, and I'm here to serve you, so let's have honest communication. Let's talk this thing out. It might be awkward for you at first. It might be, you might feel weird being vulnerable, but if you can have honest communication about expectations and goals and do it in a godly way, bring it before God. Pray about what your sex life should look like. Talk to your spouse about what your sex life should look like. And if you can place healthy expectations, healthy goals, and you can have a healthy mindset and perspective that, hey, I'm here to serve you. I promise you it'll make all the difference in the world. And this is the reality is that sex is not just a gift, and it is absolutely a gift. There's, it's awesome, okay? But it's also a tool. I don't believe that God just gave it for enjoyment, but I believe that it's also a tool for a married couple. You know, to be honest with you, there are things, there are practical areas where I know that it helps us out so much. There are times where we're, we're in a, such a busy season of life with the church. Faith works full time. We have three kids. We're constantly running and going. You know, sex is something that you can be in such a busy season, and that is such a tool to still let you feel close to the other person. It's amazing. You know, it, it's something that when you have gone through a rocky season, when you've gone through a season of tension or disagreement, there is no kind of resolution like that. You know, you can talk it out, you can work it out with the person, but there's something about when you're sealing it like that, that you are, your spirits are becoming one again, and you're like, we're on the same page. There, it's a tool when, you know, that other person is feeling discouraged, that other person is going through something tough. You know, there's only so many words that you can use to encourage that person. Sex goes beyond words. Sex is a tool that God has given us to serve that other person. What are some ways um, that, that you've seen that it can be used as a tool for marriage, not just a gift? Other than to get what I want. <laughs> it's a very effective tool, i got to be honest with you. Very persuasive. Just kidding. Um, what I was going to add to that was that um, I think that it needs to be a priority you need to go out of your way to make it a priority because it is absolutely vital to the health of your marriage. And um, when it is a priority, that tends to spill over into every other area of your marriage. And the reverse is true as well. When you put it on the back burner and um, you don't invest in it, that tends to spill over into every other area. And um, you might just wind up bickering more and feeling discouraged, feeling disconnected feeling insecure, and all these other things, and it might just trace back to that one thing. Um, so 
I can't stress it enough. Make it a priority. It, it makes all the difference. You know, marriage has enough challenges as it is, and there's times where it can be really tough. If you took that whole element out of it, I, I would imagine that it would start to feel more like a roommate relationship than a marriage. And God created you to passionately pursue your spouse. And so to take this huge, vital element out of your marriage is doing it such a disservice. And so I just want to encourage you, if, if you're here tonight, you are married, and this has become an area of resentment or discouragement, an area of frustration, an area of disagreement, to maybe before you even talk to your spouse about it, to begin to talk to God about it and begin to pray and just say, God, renew my perspective. Let, let me make sure that I'm in the right. Then maybe have an honest conversation with your spouse. Apologize for what you need to apologize for. And instead of you saying, this is what I need, why don't you say, what do you need? What, what are your desires? What are your expectations? Let's talk this thing out. And I, I want to make sure that my approach to this is that I want to serve you. I want to bless you. I want to be there for you. And, and I promise if you do that, you'll start to see some change. So a healthy sex life is really key to a healthy marriage. This last thing that we want to hit really quick, and this is huge, um, is fighting for healthy family dynamics. Uh, and I want to talk about fighting for priorities specifically really quick. Um, you know, we see this a lot with young families. We face it ourselves. Um, when you start to begin to have a family, it's one of the most exciting times of life. It's also one of the most trying times of life. And, you know, I, I think going into marriage, I was so focused on this relationship, I never stopped for a second to consider how this relationship would be affected when we introduce more life into the world. I, I was just viewing this relationship in a vacuum. And we were both caught off guard a little bit when we started to have kids because it affected this a lot more than we even thought it would. You know, we got to the point, we were married for almost five years before we had our first child. And I think we had felt like we got to a point where we knew each other. We had this thing kind of on cruise control a little bit. We weren't perfect, but, you know, we had a balance. We had a rhythm. And the moment that Aubrey came into the world, that rhythm was absolutely disrupted. And it took us fighting to get that balance back. And so at first, before we talk about balance, I want to talk about priorities for a second, specifically God and church. Um, Faith, what, what were you feeling? Honestly, what were you feeling when we had Aubrey? I know that that was such an exciting time for both of us. It was a time of absolute joy. There's nothing better than kids. It's incredible. But behind the scenes, when the visitors would leave, when family would go home, what were some of the things that you were struggling with? So right after Aubrey was born, um, it was kind of a whirlwind. Um, definitely exhaustion was a huge factor. Um, being overwhelmed by the, the responsibility of it all. Um, just feeling like inadequate or incapable at times. And um, definitely hormonal and just kind of recovering from the whole thing. It just kind of hits you like by storm and um, you just kind of feel like first you're flooded with all these visitors and like you're overwhelmed by like so much like love and attention and then after that you're just like left feeling like kind of isolated and not knowing how to like pick back up and start your life all over again and it's just it's just a really interesting time. Yeah, and I can remember you even speaking about struggling with depression struggling with anxiety, which was never a thing for you, but feeling anxious about things that you had never dreamed of or accounted for or things that were beyond your control. Um, how did those things affect 
your desire to to spend time with people, uh, to be in healthy community, but also how do those things affect your desire to even uh, spend time with God or to even come come to church? So things that kind of came naturally or came easy were not so natural or easy anymore, and now everything that's important you had to fight for. Um, and it just, everything was so much more effort and so much w- more work. Um, and so especially coming to church was a struggle at first um, because it was just so much effort to get out of the house and you just kind of have anxiety about what might go wrong when you do and um, you would gear yourself up for that and get to church and then the baby would just not cooperate at all and you just spent the whole time in the nursery and you didn't feel like you got anything out of it and then you turn it back around and go back home and then I would just feel really defeated after that and it took like a whole pep talk every single week to do it again and again and again. Yeah, I remember um, from from my perspective, my point of view, I, I didn't really see this coming either. And um, I didn't know, is this all normal? Is this not normal? I, you know, I wasn't really sure. I felt caught between a rock and a hard place a little bit because um, as a husband, I wanted to be supportive and I wanted to be sensitive to what she was feeling. I was also trying to gauge God... I know that I'm supposed to lead my family spiritually, so where does that come into the mix? Like, How do I balance being sensitive to my wife feeling too anxious to come to church with also trying to lead my family spiritually? And it was a little bit of a confusing time for me, and I, you know, I just started praying about it. I was like, God, I don't, I don't really know what to do. I don't know what the balance is. And um, you know, we took a month after the baby was born before bringing Aubrey around, but in that month when I was praying, I just felt like God kind of gave me a little bit of a game plan. And, and I felt this realization so real that, you know, we could have said, like, you know what, we're just not ready. We're going to wait till the baby's three months or we're, we're, we're going to wait till the baby is six months. But I felt like God was like, if you do that, you'll never make it a priority. If you don't start now, you'll never do it. There'll always be an excuse. There'll, there'll always be a reason why you can't do it now. And so I felt really strongly that once we hit that four-week mark, that I was like, okay, I need to start leading. Um, but I felt like God was like, you just need to celebrate the wins. You just need to celebrate the positive. And so the approach that I tried to take was just trying to encourage Faith. And it was so hard in the beginning because, like Faith said, there were so many times where she'd like be on her way to church and the baby would like throw up all over itself. Or... Or she'd come to church and Aubrey would be screaming. Faith literally heard nothing. And then she went through all that effort. She's going home even more discouraged than when she came. But I just felt like all I could do at that point, as I was saying, like, this is something that we need to do, was to be like, I'm so proud of you for making the effort, though. Like, I know you didn't get anything out of it, but God saw that you made the effort, and that's amazing. Weeks when she was like, all I got to do was sit in service for five minutes. I'm like, yeah, but that's five minutes that you didn't have before. And next week, let's go for six. And the week after, we're going to go for eight. And just trying to be this constant cheerleader, this constant voice of just encouragement to be like, you're doing good. Like, that's all you can do. And if, if that's all we can do, then we'll take it. Let's go for it. Um, and, and, you know, it was a process for us. It, it wasn't easy. We're going through it again right now with Chloe. Chloe is, like I said, she sounds like a pterodactyl half the time. And so, um, you know, we, with every kid, we went through it. But I will say this. Our first was the hardest. The second got a little easier. And at this point, I'm the one being like, listen, that kid was thrown up last night. Like, if you don't want to come, Faith, you don't have to. She's like, no, 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 we'll do it. We'll do it. it just became part of what we do as a family. 
And, um, you know, faith is incredible. She's amazing. I don't know how she balances everything, but, you know, it just became this is priority, so we're going to fight for it. So as hard as it's going to be, we're going to do it, and we're not going to stop. And there were times where we had a real bad week, and we're like, we're going to throw that week away mentally, and we're starting fresh next week. But we're getting back on the horse, and we're going to do it again. We're going to try again. We're going to try again. We went through it again with nursery, where, at, you know, once Aubrey was nursery age, she didn't want to go to nursery. She was used to being with mom. We had another, like, two or three months that was so hard. And we had the same talks. Like, she'll get used to it eventually. Okay, she lasted 10 minutes. Next week, don't get her before 15 minutes. Okay, next week, let's make sure she lasts 20. We just had to fight every step of the way. But this is the reality. The family that you want, the family that you desire won't just happen. That doesn't just happen. The family that you want to grow in God, for God to be at the center of, that won't just happen by itself. You have to fight for that. You know, we both had the privilege of growing up in Christian homes. I was at church all the time. I didn't know anything different. I grew up around church. Now having my own kids, I realize what a sacrifice that was for my parents to have us at everything. But to me, that was the normal. Too many families have kids, and they allow the kids to determine the new normal. That's backwards. It's not supposed to be like that. You know, kids are an amazing addition, but that's not supposed to take over and now create your own balance. You're the parent. You're called to lead them and to guide them. You can tell your kid all day long that God's a priority to you. If they don't see it, all they're doing is hearing words. All they're doing is hearing words. Don't just tell your kids what you believe. Show your kids what you believe. If you believe that God is a priority, then you need to make time. Your kids need to see that, that even if you had a rough night, you're still willing to get up and spend time with God in the morning. That even if last week was rough, you're still willing to get back in the car. Everyone get in the car. Buckle up. Put on a smile. We're going to church. We're going to have a good day in church. Your kids need to see what's a priority in your life. So uh, for us, I mean, that was... That was so huge. What advice would you give a mom who maybe finds himself in that season now and maybe even a dad or a husband and how to encourage, how to, how to assist in that area? Don't give up. Just keep, keep on keeping on. Um, and like he said, set, set realistic goals for yourself. Pat yourself on the back if you made it and that was it. Um, and just know that God sees the effort that you're making and he will honor that. And um, he, will, he will bless you for your for your effort, and um, you never know uh, how that might affect you down the road, but just just keep on, keep on going. Even if you have a bad week, don't let it don't let it slow you down. Um, it will get easier. You will get into a groove. You will kind of realize, all right, I kind of see what went wrong last week, so next time I'm gonna do things a little differently or. You know, I really like that one spot or at that point in service, I'm going to, you know, like you'll, you'll kind of get the hang of it, but you have, you're only going to get the hang of it by persisting. Um, and so just don't get discouraged. And also, um, don't be afraid to ask for help. If you have like family members or close friends that you might be able to call upon and say, hey, would you come to church with me? Can I pick you up? And you come with me and you give me a hand. Or, like, if you have a niece or a nephew or a sibling that wouldn't mind babysitting for you, maybe not every Sunday, maybe every other Sunday, once a month. But just don't, you know, don't forget that there are people in your life who might be saying, hey, I'll, I'll babysit for you. Um, you can, you know, call on those favors even on a Sunday morning if, it, if it's going to mean you getting in church. Um, and then just for the husband, I think it made all the difference in the world uh, that Scott had my back, and he kept speaking life into it and uh, just kept encouraging me. And um, 
just try to be as helpful as possible. Any, I know that there's not that much. It's different because, you know, on, on Sundays you're out, out early. Um, but, like, if there's just anything you can do to help with the packing and maybe even the night before, just be as helpful as humanly possible. Your wife will appreciate it. Yeah, um, there have been times where we chose to pay a babysitter so that we could do a church thing instead of paying a babysitter so that we could go on a date that week. And what we've had to remind ourselves is the money that we're investing in our spirituality, it won't return void. That's the best investment that we could ever make. You can't pour into your family spiritually if you're not well spiritually. If this isn't healthy, family's not going to be healthy. And so if you can make it a priority to say, if you get to that point, like, you're like, I can't fight it this week. I just need to go, and I need to get fed. Do whatever you got to do. Beg, grovel, ask whoever to babysit that they got to babysit. If you got to pay somebody, pay somebody. Because what you're doing is you are sowing. You are showing God, God, I need it this much. I need you this bad. I'm willing to do whatever I got to do to get more of you tonight or this morning. So um, definitely want to encourage you with that. As the band comes up, I just want to close with uh, one more thing, uh, something so practical. Not only did we have to fight for priorities all of a sudden, but I mentioned in the beginning, we, we really had to um, fight for balance and find new balance with kids. And I thought it would be cool just to share with you some really practical things that we found along the way that made all of the difference for us in, in getting this balanced again once we introduced all these new lives into the world. So what are a couple of practical things that you can think of that really made a big difference? So one thing we decided was that we weren't going to let our kids sleep in our bed. And that was a lot, not because we have a problem with co-sleeping, but just because we Healthy wanted sex, to protect our space. <laughs> so um, it, did, it did take more effort uh, because the baby would wake up two or three times a night, and then I'd have to try to, like, rock the baby back to sleep and get them back in their crib. And it was just, it would have been way easier to bring them in the bed, and they would have just been out. Um, so it took more effort. But in the end, it was definitely worth that all that extra effort. Um, and secondly, we tried to institute like a pretty consistent bedtime, and a, not super early, but just like at a decent hour to where there was still some time left at the end of the day for us to hang out and relax and connect. So um, we really like tried to stick to that, um, and that made a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like 4.30 is not that early. Like if you, you know. <laughs> um, so I would say a couple of practical things also that helped. Um, we, we know, so our kids, I'll just tell you, our kids go to bed. We shoot for 8 o'clock. Sometimes it's closer to 8.30. Um, and I don't know about you, but when I get home from work, I'm just shot. I just want to like lay on the couch and, you know, do something. I just want to like turn my brain off for a second. Um, but what we started doing, and it was a struggle at first, but now it's not as much because we know that the payoff is that good. When we get home from work, we kind of go into like second gear and we're like, all right, so while the kids are up, let's knock out lunch boxes for tomorrow. Let's get the homework done. Let's do this. Anything that we can do to be productive while the kids are up, we do with the goal that once those kids go down, now we get to hang out. Now we get to spend time together. And that has made such a difference because for a little while there, you know, you're watching the kids, you watch the kids while I make dinner, you watch the kids while I clean up, whatever it is. Then you put the kids down. Now you got an hour and a half of chores to do around the house and you got all these things to do. And then you're so exhausted. Who has time to, to talk or whatever? Let's just go to sleep. 
we realized like, hey, listen, it's a lot of work if the kids are up either way. So let's just knock this stuff out while the kids are up. And that you can do it while you're with the kids, hanging out with the kids. Now, when we put the kids to bed, it's like, this is our time. Let's hang out. Let's talk. And so that made a huge difference for us, just determining that how it doesn't matter how tired we are. I'd rather relax with you when the kids are, are in bed than relax now when everyone's awake and then not to get spent, not get a chance to spend any time with you. So that made a big difference for us. Another thing that kept this strong was from day one, we just made a determination that like, I'm always going to protect you and you're always going to protect me in front of the kids. Kids have a funny way of trying to like divide and conquer. And so if one of your kids, maybe your kids don't do this, maybe our kids are just like demons, but um, if one of our kids doesn't get an answer that they like from mom, they'll come to me and be like, hey, could I do this? And I'm like, what mom say? And they'll be like, well, mom said that. I'm like, well, if mom said that, then that's what we're doing. And that doesn't mean that I always agree with everything. But if there's something that we disagree about, I would never do that in front of the kids. We can talk about that behind closed doors. Sometimes with discipline, Faith would be like, I think you took that a little too far. She never does that in front of the kids. It's always behind closed doors. Sometimes I'll be like, I think you went a little light on that. It's always behind closed doors. But your kids need to see this is a united front. Like, this is strong here. You're not getting in between us. Dads, when my kids ever talk back to Faith, my goal is Faith should never have to defend herself. I'm always like, hey, you don't talk to mom that way. We don't do that. You don't talk to girls that way. We don't do that. And so... You know, I want my wife to always feel protected, but I want my kids to know you don't disrespect mom. That doesn't fly here. And faith is great about doing it in return, too, but it's just so important for your kids to see that this is healthy. You're not getting between this. And uh, they feel stability in that. As much as they might not like it at first, it gives them stability and gives them safety, and it's actually a really good thing. So um, I do want to say that, you know, we always have a prayer team in the back. If there's something that may be stuck out to you tonight or something that the Holy Spirit's speaking to you and you love prayer, our prayer team's in the back after service. You can get prayer. We also have an elder couple, Marianne and Vinny, who are the bomb. They are so amazing. Such a great relationship. They have an amazing, godly family. And they have really taken over a lot of the, the marriage side of ministry for our church. And, um, you know, if you're here and you realize, like, your marriage needs some work, your marriage needs some help, we can point you towards resources and towards help, towards classes, towards counseling. And so that we want to make you aware of that. If that's something that you would need or you'd be interested in, you can definitely reach out to us and we can point you in that direction. But I'd like to do this. Do you mind standing with me tonight as we begin to close? And I would like to just, uh, I'd like, Faith, if you could just pray for, for any couple in here, that any mom in here that is just finding themselves in that season of life where, it's a struggle right now, and trying to fight for priorities, trying to fight for balance. Could you just pray a prayer of blessing over them? And then I'd like to just pray over all the marriages that are represented here tonight. Dear God, I just want to lift up all the young families here tonight, God, the ones that made it out here, God, and the ones who are stuck at home because they didn't feel like they could make it out, Lord Jesus. I just pray, God, that you would just renew their strength, Lord God, that you would just be their source of encouragement, God, that you would be the lifter of their head, Lord Jesus, that you would just be their source, God. I pray that you would just supply all of their needs, Lord God. I pray that when they would come out, God, that they would just feel your grace, Lord Jesus, that things wouldn't, that things would just go smoothly, even though they were so terrified, God, that you would just pour out your blessing on their efforts, God, that 
when they would step out, God, and try to come and try to spend time with you, God, sowing into their relationship with you, God, that you would honor that, that you would bless that, and that they would not regret it, Lord Jesus. And I just pray, God, that you would just honor that, God. Give them everything that they need. In your name I pray. Amen. God, we just pray for every marriage that's represented in the house tonight. Lord, we thank you for the gift that marriage is. Lord, we thank you that you recognize man's need for companionship and you created the institution of the marriage. God, I pray, Lord, for any marriage that's represented here, Lord, that has lost hope, any marriage, Lord, that has just been in a place of discouragement or resentment or distance. God, I just pray, Lord, that you would just speak hope tonight, Lord, that the person who's ready to give up, Lord, would have this renewed sense of vision for their life and for their marriage. God, I pray, Lord, just for every couple in here, Lord, that we would first pursue you, that we would passionately pursue you, Lord, and through that, we would always pursue our spouse. God, I pray, Lord, for any area where the enemy has tried to establish a foothold of division between a husband and a wife, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would expose it for what it is and that it would be gone in Jesus' name. And God, we thank you, Lord, tonight that we have the ultimate example of what healthy marriage looks like, and that is the way that you love us. That is the way that you love your imperfect church. So God, we thank you tonight for the grace that you show us, for the patience that you show us. God, we pray, Lord, that we would always be a representation of what you first have done for us and what you first have shown us. God, we look to you tonight, and we remind our souls, Lord, that you are good, that you are faithful, and we love you tonight. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step.